So when you think about your career in education and you think about when you first started, you know, whether it was your first year as a teacher, maybe it was your first year as an administrator, there's probably things that you look back on that you wish you could have done better, that you wish you could have improved. I, I actually talk about this a lot in the three question podcast that if you don't look back with a little embarrassment um, at some parts of your career, you probably haven't grown that much, right? And it's not that you were bad at one point, but we could always get better. But what I also want to remind you is that at those times where you think you could get better, you were still making a positive impact on the lives of so many other people. And I was actually reminded of this. I was having a really down day. I was really struggling. And I went to go visit a good friend of mine who was also my first uh, admin team partner, uh, Archie Lilico. He was my principal when I first became an assistant principal. And he was an absolutely amazing mentor. And he really helped me see a lot of things. But I, I was still growing. I was still getting better. And he would actually contact me and say, he, he would give me opportunities to do things that principals would usually do and assistant principals wouldn't. And one of those things was actually making phone calls to either hire people that we interviewed or sometimes say like, hey, you didn't get the job. And he said, you don't get to just do the good stuff. You have to do some of the really hard things as well and make sure that when you connect with the people that didn't get the job, that they leave better, that you give them really meaningful feedback because they're going to go into a teaching job somewhere and you want to make them as good as possible. And I, I try my best always with that. And I, I, I would like to think that I've done more good things than bad, but I can't say I've never struggled, that I don't regret some of the things I've done. But I remember when I went to visit Archie, we went to see a teacher that uh, we both hired early on in my career. And we were going to see her and just to say hi. And as I walked up, uh, her students, because she was outside, I was walking with Archie, my, my mentor, and the kids started running toward me. And I, I don't know these students. I haven't been in that school uh, for a long, long time. And they said, thank you, thank you for hiring our teacher. And so she had pointed out as soon as she saw me, that's the guy who hired me. And what's amazing is that she actually went through and talked about um, with me in front of the class every moment of that process to the interviews that we had, which were multiple, right? Because we wanted to make sure we we're making the right decision to the phone call she got while she was in a movie theater and she walked out and how I talked to her and how excited she was and how positive and something that I had not thought about, she had remembered very vividly. And when I came to that school and I was with Archie, he lifted me up. But then hearing that and feeling like, there's a lot of these stories of things that we do that have a really positive impact that people don't hear about, that we don't hear about as educators. So I just wanted to remind you that as you're listening to this podcast with Dr. Jared Smith, is that as you are continuously learning and growing, of course, we can get better. Of course, you can grow. But even sometimes at your weakest moments, uh, things that you look back on, you're probably making a very positive difference that we're still growing and getting better. And Dr. Jared and I talked about this uh, in the podcast, we talk a little bit about, um, you know, being open with our mental health struggles, uh, our fitness, and just kind of how the last year was for him from the viewpoint as a superintendent. It's a really great podcast. I really enjoyed talking to uh, Jared, and I, I know you're going to love it as well. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Welcome back to another episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast.
Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast. And today, my guest, Dr. Jared Smith, he is a superintendent in uh, the great state of Iowa. Shout out to all the people in Iowa listening right now. I know, I know you like the air horn, Jared. So uh, Dr. Jared Smith, uh, great learner, has a great podcast. I actually connected with him uh, on his own podcast. Uh, I think it's probably in the top, you know, the one we did was probably in the top 500 of all your episodes, something like that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he's a superintendent in the Iowa area. He's has a new book out and you can actually see it uh, in the description. We're recording this early, but by the time you're listening to this, uh, Learning Curve will now be available. So check out the description down below and, and you'll see a link to the book. But Jared, I, I'm really excited to just chat with you, uh, talk to you. Hopefully people get to learn more about you and, and just kind of what you're about. Uh, so can you just kind of introduce yourself, tell a little bit about who you are and just a little bit about your educational career? Yeah. Well, first of all, George, I really appreciate you inviting me on the show. I, I told you before the show, I'm a huge fan of yours. I, your books uh, have been amazing. I follow all of your content, and uh, I just, I, I just am thrilled to be here. So thank you for enjoying. Well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to end the podcast right there. Just like, hey, <laughs> you can link, you can link to my books, link in my books too. Jared said they're good. No, I'm, I'm just teasing. Uh, thank, thanks. So thanks no, man. That. Yeah. Well, I, so I appreciate it, man. Um, you know, I uh, started. This is just finished up my third year as a superintendent here in Central Iowa, just outside Des Moines. And uh, gosh, my leadership journey, um, I, I uh, you know, I started off as a high school teacher. I didn't know what the heck I was mm -hmm. doing. High school math teacher. I look back on it and I'm embarrassed for the kids who I had. I apologize to all of you because it was brutal teaching. Um, but, you know, I, I always had this little bit of, of leadership in me. Sometimes I used it for good. Sometimes I used it mm -hmm. for organizing social events or whatever. But I always had this leadership ability inside me. And, um, I got into school administration four years after, after teaching. And again, just like, just like when I was teaching, I made some stupid decisions. I was a pretty brutal <laughs> assistant principal starting out. I mean, I didn't know how to, how to manage adults. I didn't know, right. um, you know, I didn't, I was a terrible speaker in front of our staff and all that, but you know, this idea about always trying to improve and read and trying to learn from others and trying mm. to listen to mentors I really bought into that about year three or four of, of being an assistant principal. And I was an assistant principal for eight years mm -hmm. and I had a lot, a lot of rejections on being a head principal right. <laughs> until I finally got that call. But I was always trying to like read the best books. I got my uh, super, I got my doctorate uh, and tried to learn as much as I could mm -hmm. and, and listen, you know, reading your book and reading some of the other books in education and leadership I was trying to pick up one or two things from every, every book I read and trying to implement that into my, my daily, my daily work. And, you know, it started to show, it started to, you know, I started to, to, to kind of be able to know how to address certain situations and it's helped me kind of climb that, that ladder. And so I was a high school principal and now, now a superintendent and along the way, uh, started kind of blogging a little bit. Mm -hmm. I, you know, kind of seen what some of you guys who, who have been doing this for a lot of years, kind of doing what you're doing, starting a mm -hmm. newsletter. And then when COVID hit, decided yeah. to start a podcast That's awesome. because I had time on my hands, you know, something to do with something I wanted to do. And then I was like, you know what? I've got all these blogs. Let's just try to put these into, put these into some semblance of a book mm -hmm. and, and see how it goes. So 
I'm, I'm really enjoying the leadership stuff. It's been a challenging year with COVID. Uh, but also I'm really, really loving connecting with people like you, learning from other people mm -hmm. and just engaging in a different type of way that was not possible 10, 15 years ago. So th there's, a, there's, there's a lot I want to ask you about just from your introduction. And uh, I, I, one of the things that I appreciate that you s share, and I think it's really important, is you talk about personal growth. You talk about you know, your, your book's title, Learning Curve. Is that not only did you, because I, I see like, oh, I've read like 100 books this year. I'm like, did you do anything with it? Or did you just like absorb the information and then not actually like expunge it at all? And part of it too is, I think that I think that my books. I'm I'm proud of the books that I've written, right? But I also really push people to say, like, you have to figure out what I'm talking about and how it applies to your context. I'm not here to, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know what's going on in Iowa. Like you and I both believe relationships are really important. So you know your context, you know your community. How do you take some of the things that I've shared and actually apply them to your own process? And so I really appreciate how like how you share that that you didn't just like read books and just you know try to read as much as possible but you're actually doing stuff with that um there's something you said i've been really thinking about this and this might be like a little bit controversial take here um and so I, i'm just kind of wondering about this because you said you know you struggle as a teacher uh you know you struggle i have really been thinking about this concept that uh i hear sometimes you hear this on social media you hear this in conversations and in, in staff rooms like well, you know, like that person probably that admin's probably not a good teacher. And I'm like, I don't think every, I don't think every admin ha had to be a good teacher. I think some administrators are actually better in that role than they were teachers. I don't think that everyone was this incredible, amazing teacher. Now, like, do you have to understand education? Yeah, totally. But there it's, there's different skill sets there too. Right. And, and I know you're a big sports guy. Like I always, some of the some of the best coaches were terrible players and some of the worst coaches were amazing players like Michael Jordan I, I mean, or like Magic Johnson, right? Terrible coach, favorite player of all time, terrible coach. Uh, Michael Jordan hasn't been the greatest GM, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Larry Bird is one of the exceptions for basketball, right? Like he was a very good coach, uh, very good player. And so it's interesting to kind of like uh, see that uh, Doc Rivers was a very good player, very good coach. So you, you kind of see um, that it's not like, I'm not saying if you're a great teacher, you can't be a great leader. Um, but being a great teacher doesn't mean you're a great leader. And like, I don't know what you think about that. Because I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Like, I think that people maybe in administrative roles see things maybe a different way can help people a different way, but not necessarily the best teachers. I don't know what you think about that. I, you know, I, I haven't really thought about that, but I, I would have to agree with a lot of what you're saying. Mm -hmm. What it reminds me of is this is when we interview all kinds of teacher, you know, all kinds of teachers, I'm not in those interviews anymore, but I used to be in a lot of those interviews. Sometimes your best teachers were the kids who were below average students, right? right? Or they got in trouble, right? Some kids who got in trouble in high school and they finally figured it out because they might, they might've been really good leaders, but they weren't, like I mentioned, you weren't doing the right things. Maybe you were involved in the wrong crowd, but you had these leadership abilities, right? Mm -hmm. So when we hired teachers, it wasn't like we were looking for the, the, the 4.0 high school students or the 4.0 college students. We we're looking for the, some of those kids who maybe struggled and then a light switch flipped right. on and suddenly because they understand 
what it's like not only to be, you know, work with the high level kids, but also to work with the kids who are struggling, who are right. disengaged, mm-hmm. who don't want to be at school. So I think there's a lot of parallels there with a teacher who struggled and understands the struggle of a, uh, of a struggling teacher. So they, so they know how to work with those teachers who are underperforming. Um, so I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of truth to that statement. Yeah. Cause like, uh, I don't know how familiar with hockey. I think Wayne Gretzky was a coach and like Wayne Gretzky might struggle with not everyone being Wayne Gretzky. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like that, yes. th- I think that, that to me, that to me is one of the elements. And I actually, like I've talked about that too. A lot of really, um, a lot of really great teachers that I've connected with people that I hired were struggling students. And it was like, yeah. Hey, if you're really good at school, it doesn't necessarily make you a good teacher too. So I just wanted your feedback on that because it was interesting that you said, you know, I like, I struggle as a teacher and you know, and then it, like a lot of people, I think, think like, oh, you struggled as a teacher, you probably hated kids, and then you went to become a superintendent. Like that, that's a, I think that's a perception sometimes is that sure. like they struggle to teaching, so they just got out of there as soon as possible. It's like, nah, I think there's like maybe different strengths. And I, like, I, I still think you have to understand education. I don't think it's like uh, if you don't understand education, like any of those great coaches, they understand basketball, but they just see different things, right? Um, so so your, your book, Learning Curve, uh, it is available now. So tell us a little bit about what the book is about, what you actually hope it to achieve uh, in your work. Yeah. So learning curve is something that literally has kind of was floating around in my head for a long time. Kind mm-hmm. of, kind of when I made that turn, right. I mentioned those first few years of struggling as an assistant principal and then having this aha moment where if I'm going to be better at this position of being a school leader, I better start trying to get better, trying to prove myself. So when I started, you know, researching, when I started reading, when I started taking those notes and trying to think, how can I take what I'm learning and impact, put it into my uh, leadership practices, I started noticing that not only was I getting better mm-hmm. professionally, I was also getting better personally, mm. whether it was with fitness or eating or uh, psychology or finances. I mean, there was so much out there that I wanted to learn about that. I, I got this second wind of, I want to learn. So, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I started just taking all these notes and I've got these, this huge, huge, um, uh, spreadsheet where I've got thousands of notes I've taken from books. And what I wanted to do was kind of put those together into uh, certain kind of categories and really just it kind of went to three big categories education leadership personal growth and what i wanted to do was take kind of my biggest ahas over the last 10 years Mm -hmm. of personal growth both educate you both professionally and personally and put those you know tell these stories about how i've grown how i've learned some mistakes i've made so what you're going to see in learning curve is all these ahas that I've had over 10 years as a mm-hmm. school leader, personally, professionally, and then tell these stories that I've experienced or that I know other ca- educational leaders mm-hmm. have experienced and tell, like, say how it really is. Cause I feel like a lot of educational books, right or wrong, will always tell the good that, you know, that right. nothing's ever wrong. And right. it's just so easy to do these things. Well, 
I'm telling it from my experiences of not getting jobs, of messing up, of not firing people when I should have, mm -hmm. and so forth. I'm sharing these stories because I don't want other people to make those same mistakes. So can I ask you this? Because I'm a, I'm a big, big advocate of blogging, writing, journaling. And I actually, like when I'm listening to you, do you feel that process of just writing actually helped you learn through this? Like if, like what would have happened if you didn't write? Do you know what I mean? Like what, it, what did you have had the same learning? Like, did you find that uh, blogging, writing was, was part of that growth? I completely agree. Uh, you know, I, you've been blogging forever, George. And, and, and you know, I just started, I really just started a few years ago, but I feel like when you take the time, cause I'm not great. I, I don't know about you. You seem like right. you're very like on the spot. You can come up with a response. Sometimes I struggle. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to respond to certain situations when they come up by writing through those and really deep thinking about what my thought process is and what some alternatives are for what I could have done differently the next time that situation comes up because I've thought about it so hard and I've put it into words, I'm able to better articulate what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying mm -hmm. to think. I feel like my leadership has gone, has exponentially improved because I've taken the time to wrap my head around what my thoughts really are. Yeah. So they actually like, you know, I have been blogging like a long time. Some people would say too long. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> right? Love it. Just love a little, it. A too much. So I love it, man. <laughs> that's good. I love the soundboard. So the the one of the things that you said I think is really important is when like I, I do have a very quick I cannot say this word processing time. I think that's right. Um I I can come up with thoughts really quickly. The reality of it doesn't mean those are good thoughts, right? And and so I think part of it too is it is help me kind of slow down, understand people's perspectives, understand uh, viewpoints um, that maybe when you have to like, especially when you open, there's a, a great, I think it's, I think it's Clive Thompson. He said, uh, anyone can win an argument inside their head, but when you have to face an audience, you have to be truly convincing. And that was like a really, I actually, I think I shared that quote in innovators mindset uh, because you, you are thinking, okay, I'm putting myself out there. Like I, I, I want, I actually want to address the, the pushback to my ideas before the comments do. And I think that's part of what I've tried to do. And I think it, it's a really great process to think about, you know, teaching. I actually, um, the people that I work with that create their own portfolios, um, you know, have their own blogs. One of the things I really encourage is having like a set schedule of when you post, not necessarily when you write, but like, you're like, Hey, every, I, like I post every Tuesday at 5 PM. There's a post coming out now. Sometimes I write it at Tuesday at 4:59 and finish it. Then some days I write it, you know, the Friday before, but it gets me in that, that, I, that rhythm, that, um, accountability to myself to like write that, but also like thinking about different viewpoints. So like, I think that's why I wanted to ask you about that because, um, a lot of people, they're like, Hey, I want to write a book. I'm like, can I see some of your other writing? And they're like, well, I haven't written anything. I'm like, so you just want to write a book so you can say you write a book or, you know, like, like, let's see your style. Let's see how you develop that. How do you build an audience? How do you actually connect with people? Um, so that they're excited about the book. And I think that that's a, that's a really great process. Um, I'm going to ask you this as a, a superintendent this year, uh, probably like this is a, you know, you finished the 2020, uh, 21 school year, pretty easy. I'm guessing like it was pretty simple. <laughs> 
It was a difficult year. Oh, uh, oh, oh Canada is smooth, I heard. <laughs> yeah, COVID was difficult. Right. And we actually, we had this huge storm that went through our, uh, that ravished uh, central Iowa. And we lost one of our buildings all year too. So um, it was difficult. Yes. Oh, so okay. well, that's... <laughs> That's a little, that's a little lot, eh? That's, that's a lot of stuff going on there. But the, uh, um, t- like what, like, obviously that's a huge challenge, a little extra, right? Yeah. Like what, what was one of the biggest challenges that you faced because of COVID? Like what was some of the struggles that you had like in your schools? And I don't know if you were like, fa- like in person, virtual, remote, you know, whatever. I feel like probably, you know, probably you've been in for three years. Uh, a year and a half of that has been COVID, so it probably yes. feels like 80 years. Um, so like, what, like what's, what's a, a direct um, issue that you had to deal with because of COVID? Like what's something that you saw, you know, happening in your schools because of that? I, I truly feel like if I were to say the most difficult aspect that I wasn't prepared for, and I think we did a pretty good job in this district, is just the, the political divide in our community right. around should we be in school? Right. Should we not be in school? Should we wear masks? Should we not wear masks? Uh, so, I, you know, we tr- really tried to um, get as much buy-in as possible on our decisions and explain our decisions. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I saw a lot of districts, right or wrong, you know, they made they made decisions that were kind of knee-jerk reactions that right. were quick without really explaining what was going on. And I feel like that's how they maybe divided the community even more. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we did a really good job. And I think it's important that I think the other biggest piece is communication. Uh, we really, really tried to push out communication, explaining our decisions, explaining. Uh, we took a little bit longer to get back to class, to school, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to a lot of other Iowa districts. Now, I know some other districts in the United States that are still not, you know, they're, they right. were still virtual through the year. Right. So we were pretty early on it, but, um, you know, we explained our decisions and, and I feel like it was difficult, but that definitely, I think there's some things to be learned right. through that through that whole process. That's going to make us even better moving forward. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I saw talking about this political divide, I actually wrote about this and because of a teacher and, I, I talked about, and I don't know if you noticed this in Iowa. I, I'm sure, you know, you saw some semblance of this. Uh, COVID hits. Schools are, you know, um, moving uh, to remote spaces or, like, having extended holidays, breaks or whatever because it's uh, March. And then a lot of families, like, you know, had their kids at home for an extended amount of time. Mm-hmm. And for about two weeks teachers were so celebrated in a way I've never seen teachers celebrated. Right. And then it was like right back to like crapping on people. Right. It was, it was like this beautiful, I was like, Oh, I was like, everyone understands like how hard, like how hard this work is. Right. Like maybe we're coming back with like a different empathy of like the role of a teacher. And then like I, I rep basketball for years and this is the best analogy I can give you. And that, this is what I saw when you ref basketball, you are wrong 100% of the time to 50% of the people, right? Like somebody, so like, it doesn't matter what you do. Somebody's mad and you're always feeling like you're wrong. So um, I, I appreciate you sharing that. And I think one of the things that you shared that I, I really appreciate 
is really getting the community as a part of the solution, being having them involved in the process, like understanding that there's always in your bet. It doesn't mean you're going to please everybody, but I think that the more you get the community involved, the more the community backs you up. And that to me is like, um, like one of the things we used to do when I was a principal, um, assistant principal worked at central office. Uh, we would do some kind of far out things, uh, at that time, uh, in education that might be normal now, but we're, you know, very different from our parents' experience. So we actually invited parents to our professional learning days and we said, Hey, we want you to see what's going on. Now we couldn't just say it's open to everybody because we just didn't have the space to accommodate, but we were like, Hey, we're going to invite these parents this time. We're going to invite these parents this time. And what happened is that when parents started seeing that those same parents would actually go out to the community and say, I was at their PD day today and wow, this is like so much better than we were kids. And they did the talking for us. And that was like a really powerful thing. And I think, you know, if you as a school don't want uh, your your uh, families to see what you're learning, then that is a cause of concern for me that you don't want to see it because they become your biggest advocates. And, you know, mm-hmm. schools are the center of, for me, I see schools as the center of communities. And so that means communities not have to be engaged in the process, but feel really empowered and have ownership over that as well. So, you know, we talked about some of the negative things that you had to deal with. So, you know, coming out of this year, and I know that you're finished at this time, like what do you see as like a real positive of something that happened this year and maybe, you know, moving forward? Oh, it probably sounds pretty cliche at this point, but just the fact, you know, we've been, you talk about your district when you were, Mm -hmm. you know, when you were in your leadership positions, uh, maybe being a little more progressive. I feel like our district has also been pretty progressive ahead of COVID. We Mm -hmm. were, we were trying to do a lot more virtual learning and a lot more like remote work type options for our staff. And I feel like COVID has, uh, obviously sped up that process with the Mm -hmm. virtual learning the the remote working, But it kind of showed, you know, some of the things that we were doing already with allowing our staff at times to work from home, which is a really, it's a really foreign idea, especially before COVID. It's like, this can work, guys. Like, we don't, you know, education can be such a tough profession, right? I mean, it can be grueling. Teaching is just a, and and, and all the staff, you know, our our office staff, the, the administrators, so we need to look for those little chances to give our our teachers and our staff a little bit more freedom, mm-hmm. a little bit more trust and autonomy in their work. And I feel like COVID has opened the door to have some unique ways of delivering instruction, of um, of allowing our staff just to have a little bit more autonomy on how they do their work. So I think that's, you know, we were ahead of the curve and I think we're going to keep going that direction, but it's been eye-opening that yes, we can make this work and yes, um, there's options out there and it doesn't have to be always inside the brick and mortar building. Right. And this is like, and it's like, it's kind of like a learning curve, right? (laughs) It is. Which would be the great, great title of a book, right? Like that's, you know, it's a process. So, hey, Jared, I got I to gotta ask you this. So I see you sometimes talking about on social media, uh, some of your fitness stuff, some of your health stuff. Obviously, a lot of people that listen to this podcast uh, know that I'm really focused on my uh, physical health. And maybe I don't talk about it as much, my mental health, because I think they're very closely connected. Uh, I, in fact, like, you don't need to do research. I know that from experience and just, you know, kind of how I feel. So, like, like, as a superintendent, you know, people think, 
you know, where, when would you have time for that? Right. And I'm sure many people feel, feel the same as education. So like, how do you make your like physical health, um, and maybe even mental health and the connection, how do you make, like, how do you make time for that? How do you ensure that that's something that is part of your work? Yeah, great, good question. Uh, and I appreciate you asking that. These are fun questions to, to ask. I've enjoyed following your, your fitness yeah. journey there. Uh, and just like, wow, that just some of the growth or some of the progress you've seen yeah. has been incredible. You know, I, I have ever since I, I you know, the, I remember the, the picture you posted a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. I had that same picture of me, the before, right. when I graduated from college, when I was 22. And I, from 18 to 22, I ate what I wanted. I didn't work out at all. I was going out. I was drinking alcoholic beverages, you know, right. all that stuff. And I saw a picture of myself at the beach and I was like, what in the world? What, wor- what have right. you come to? Like, right. this is crazy. So I've... I've emphasized working out ever since I was 22 and I'm 39 now for Mm -hmm. 17 years. And I just feel so much more confident. I feel so much more energized throughout the day. I'm a morning workout person. So your question about when do you get it in? Mm -hmm. I have a real unique schedule that I've over time have kind of built up and gotten accepted acceptance from the school board. I come into work and do some work real early in the morning, like crazy early, Mm -hmm. but then I go. So I, I have like a hour and a half burst of energy from like five to six 30 of just work. It could be work. It could be writing. It could be whatever professional growth, whatever. And then I go to the gym and our gym is literally like two blocks away from my office for about 45 minutes, Mm -hmm. every single morning, every single morning I go there for, Mm -hmm. I do not miss. I mean, even if I've got a cold, I mean, it would take a lot, but 45 minutes, uh, and it's pretty, you know, it's pretty quick. It's a little bit of cardio and then, and then mostly lifting. Uh, so I feel you'd ask about the mental health aspect right. of it. Um, I feel like the working out for me, if I, if I get a workout in, I just, you know, sometimes when I get there, I'm not super excited about it, but then when you get it done, you just like, Oh, that feels so good. And then throughout the day, you know, if you don't get a workout in, you kind of, it's in the back of your head, right? Um, but in terms of, you know, I'll be honest, George, I deal with anxiety. I've, I've dealt with anxiety my whole life, my whole adult life. Uh, I've had to take medication for it. Uh, and I'm not afraid to share those things. Mm-hmm. It took me a little while to get over the hump and to realize like, okay, I've got general anxiety and I take medication for it. But we talk about, I've talked about this with our kids and our staff, like, it's okay. It's becoming more and more common. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's better to get the medication and, and to know that you, there's other people who are going through the same things you are and to just be honest and open with people and tell them like, Hey, I'm a superintendent. Hey, I do, I do some professional speaking, not quite nearly on your level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've learned to embrace that and learn to deal with it. And it makes me feel better telling others about the right. things that I struggle with. Yeah. Like I, 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 and I, I've shared this before too. Like I, I also have anxiety and I find that, um, I, uh, deal with it better when I work out. I find that the energy thing too, one of the things when I, when I would speak, uh, even when I do virtual events and you know, I'm in mountain time, I'm dealing with some, you know, districts Eastern time. So it's super early. I do whatever I can. Now there's, there, I have limits here. I'm not getting up at like 4am like the rock or anything like that and i may and sometimes i have i i work out before i do events 
typically 95% of the time because I feel that it's not only better for me, I feel that I'm better for that district and I want to do my best through that, right? And I feel like it is a very common thing. It is like uh, something to kind of clear my head and kind of get in that space. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that too because I know that um, especially when you share that as a superintendent, a lot of educators are like, have co- contacted me and said, like, I'm terrified to share that I str- have like mental health struggles. I have, you know, depression, like I've written posts on uh, some of my depression that I've dealt with. And they're like, I appreciate you sharing that because my superintendent, if they knew this about me and I'm like, I don't even think that's allowed. Right. Like, like it's just that it's just such a, a strange concept to me because, you know, like if you broke your leg and everyone can see it, right then no issues. But if, it, if they can't see it, then it, to say it doesn't exist is not uh, accurate. Uh, I, I know you're a big sports fan. And uh, anyone watching, you see my Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, and you made fun of me because I think you're from Minnesota. Or you said you're originally from Minnesota, right? Yeah, I was, yeah. I was born in Minneapolis. So the Timberwolves are my, defa- are my de facto uh, NBA team. Yeah, yes. this is not my team at all. This is just the Raptors, man. The, the Minnesota, Raptors. the Minnesota Timberwolves were so terrible this year that I got this for like oh. ten bucks. So I was like, I like, I like those colors. So whatever, I'll like wear any any like athletic <laughs> stuff if it's cheap. So I, I like it. But um, who who who's your team? What's what's the sport? Who's your team? You know, it, I, this might sound foreign to you guys up there. You know, you, we, uh, we you have NBA TV. Guys. We have TV. Come on. <laughs> I can't we, wait to, you better say like Iowa, cricket. You better say cricket. Cause I know all these sports. Come on, tell no, me. I'm, I'm not going too far off the beaten path here, but here in smack dab in the Midwest of the United States, we are college football fans. Iowa Hawkeyes. Right? Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, you know, we, we, we kind of live inside the big 10 slash a little bit of the big 12 footprint. We've got mm-hmm. uh, Iowa state's not too far down the road. Actually where I live, one hour to the east is University of Iowa. One hour to the west is Iowa State. Both teams are probably going to be a top, you know, top fifteen this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so, you know, Iowa, a... Iowa State Cyclones, correct? Wow, nice. Yeah, yeah we yes. got we got TV up here in Canada. <laughs> sometimes it well, freezes. I... <laughs> well, sometimes you know, sometimes around. the pro sports fans think like college. Oh, what's you know. Psh- that's nothing, but that's what it is around here, man. College sports. So like I, I've always, like I, I watch college stuff, right? Like I'm, I watch the NCAA tournament. I'll watch like the final four for uh, football and things like that. Like I'm not like obsessed with it. I like it. I'm interested in it. And I remember years ago, I, I didn't realize how big of a deal it was. And uh, I remember years ago, I went to uh, the Sweet 16 in Syracuse. And I went there. I didn't know who was playing. I just, I would like to go. I'd like to go. I've watched this since I was a kid. I, like, this is a great opportunity to go. And I remember uh, it was, it was uh, NC State, um, I think, versus North Carolina in the game, right? And uh, North Carolina, Sean May, they actually won the championship that year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember we were on the bus or the subway after, and NC State had just lost. And it was like, it, it was like the worst thing that ever happened to the NC State fan. I was like, wow, like they, this is, this is serious. This is pretty like, they, they were like destroyed, right? It was like such a surreal thing. And I didn't realize how big college sports were. So um, yeah, that's pretty like, I, I, come on. But I know Iowa State, Iowa, you know, that's Cyclones, good. Good. Hawkeyes. I know this, right? 
So a uh, question for you, because I love sure. talking sports with you. A- NHL playoffs. Are there any Canadian? There's one Canadian team still in it, right? Montreal is is tied 1-1 with Vegas. But this will maybe shock you, and this will shock the listeners. I am a very loyal person to my teams. When I was a kid, I live in Edmonton. So Edmonton, as I mentioned, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, Gretzky uh, is like, I know the church that he got married in in Edmonton. It's like a big thing. I hated Edmonton as a kid. My team was the New York Islanders who yes yeah so i was a big mike bossy fan i was a big billy smith fan yeah so like nobody's listening to the podcast now because as soon as i talk sports it's over <laughs> so people just give up on me but yeah like i stick with my team so uh i would if you gave me i love seeing a canadian team win but i will take the islanders and uh actually i grew up in humble saskatchewan uh, uh jared bedner i grew up with him he's the head coach of the colorado avalanche so there you go. Okay. Yeah. So. So Islanders are good this year, right? Islanders are. I, I don't. I actually will not watch the games because I every time I'm like, I don't watch hockey fanatically, and then every time the Islanders, are, I'm like, oh, they're like in the second round, and then as soon as I watch, they lose. So I'm like, I'm wait, <laughs> I'm wait. I want to at least get the Stanley Cup before I get into it. But sure, hey, sure. Jared, I, I appreciate talking to you. I appreciate you having you on the podcast, taking the time. Uh, you know, coming out of uh, your George Costanza. A uh, little. Have you ever seen that episode right where down he, here, man, right? right where down he, has, here. he makes a little bedroom <laughs> in his uh, under his desk. So I know that's the perception of superintendents, but Jared, it's it's awesome. And congratulations on the book. And for anyone listening, I encourage you to check it out in the description down below. Uh, it's what's what's the whole title? I know it's called Learning Curve. What's the entire title? I want actually you. I want to see if you even know because a lot of times we don't even know the titles of our the full title. Yeah. Oh, he's looking uh, it up it's for learning, those. Learn, okay, I got it. I got it. Those, I was to who are those up, listening? But... Audio only. He had to look it up. Well, I didn't want to blow it, but I'm pretty sure it's learning curve colon lessons learned on leadership, education, and personal growth. Oh, yeah. The Macho Man for you. There you go. <laughs> Do you, we know Macho Man here in Canada, too, just in case. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. We got WWE we're a kid. So, hey, Jared, congrats on the book. Uh, everyone, uh, thanks for taking the time to listen. I hope you have a wonderful day. Jared, again, thanks for being on the show. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.